welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletic Show. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to this week's edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gilbert, and Cole Carmody. You got the whole team here. No more teaching kids this week for Cole. He's here with us, which is probably about the same thing as teaching kids. <laughs> yeah. We're sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Don't take the kids there for holiday shopping. Take yourself there for holiday shopping. You know that the family's going to screw up what you want for the holidays. It's just that beautiful bottle of bourbon or that nice clean vodka. Or maybe you're one of those people who likes a nice wine. I'm not going to judge you for being a Texas fan, but uh, if you like to sip the wine, they can help you there. They can help you all you want right there at the fridge. And by the way, if you're not familiar with the fridge's Black Friday sale, there's something weird going on this year where like all of their Pappy bottles and everything else that usually is there is shipping late to the stores. So they have a selection of bottles for Black Friday. And I'm telling you, their bourbon sale on Black Friday is an event. People camp out to be first in line. Literally, you drive by there on Thanksgiving, you will see cars, vans, and I mean motorhomes. You'll see people camped out, tailgating basically at the fridge on a day they're closed to be there in line when they open for Black Friday. But this year, because those bottles aren't going to be there, they will also have uh, a sign-up sheet. That'll put you in line for that sale when everything gets in. Make sure you check out the fridge. Uh, their, their Black Friday bourbon selection is unbelievable. They got some Blantons in this one, and I was just eyeing it like, man, if I really wanted to have a bottle of bourbon, I'd go do that. The fridge is very cool. If you're not shopping at the fridge, you are missing out. And if you're not listening to the PowerCat podcast, you miss that out. You just didn't hear that at all. And you can join Go PowerCat. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I got so excited to talk about my sponsor's Black Friday sale. I didn't talk about about our Black Friday sale. And it's ongoing. If you're not a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com, now is the time. Our Black Friday sale is live at 24-7. It's across the 24-7 Sports Network. So if you're an Iowa State fan listening to this, your your folks at the Iowa State side, Alex and Alec and all those guys, they got it going. They, I said Alex. And it's, I always do it. It's, it's Alec. Alec. His his for, his family couldn't afford the X, so they had to settle for a C. It's okay, Alec. We love you. Um, he, Alec, of course, covered K State for a while, and then now is at Iowa State. No matter what your school is on the twenty four seven network, you can get seventy five percent off now through the end of the sale, which I believe is Tuesday at midnight Eastern. So you've got some time, but don't mess around and forget. Just get on over to Go Powercat. Get your seventy five percent off. An annual subscription to Go Powercat right now. Get it done. We always blow up these sales. We always are one of the 24-7 leaders in these sales. Let's do it again. Also, if you're not doing anything on Saturday, there are somehow 300 tickets available for this game. Plus, there'll be, honestly, a lot of tickets on resale. But this game is not sold out, people. I, I thought every game was sold out this season. This one is not yet but it's very close. Get your tickets to Saturday's game. It's Farmageddon. And as Zach said, it could be a snow globe game. We could have big, fat snowflakes falling on the field. Great memories of that for K-State fans. And I will be safely 
safely inside the press box, watching all of you get cold. I'll report. Thank you. For us down from the field. Hopefully we don't get in any trouble being down on the field for the game. No, that's a whole different topic. <laughs> whole different topic. You try to follow the rules and the man still yells at you. Let's get going with your questions from Wabash Station. I don't know who's asking them, but they're going to be really good questions being asked. Who's got it? I can tackle first half since it's more football. We can let you guys cook. Let's go. All right. Ryan Gilbert, fresh off his Caribbean vacation in the Bahamas. He'll have some basketball answers for us. And Cole Carmody's here, and he was at the Abolition Bowl on Saturday in my stead. Thank you very much. Let's go. From Momo Cat, if the home and away games were switched, would K-State be undefeated? This was just on my my, uh, walk and talk. Um, Yeah, it's interesting. They have clearly played their toughest opponents on the road. Even in the non-conference, as good as Troy was, Missouri's good. Played them on the road, Texas on the road. Would Texas Tech be better than any of the teams K-State's played at home? Maybe not Troy, maybe. But you can make an argument they would be. Kansas, certainly. I, it's wild. K-State has blown the doors off everyone, particularly in the Big 12. But let's be honest, they've played the weaker teams at home. And if they'd played them on the road, would they have lost three games or two games in the conference? I don't think I so. doubt it. I don't think so. Maybe they lose to Texas at home. They did last year. But they beat Oklahoma State at home. I can guarantee that. Every um, every road game was one possession. It was crazy. Every loss that they've had this year has been one possession. One possession, 14 total points. It's and that includes pretty impressive. Uh, just an awful performance at Oklahoma State. Uh, I, I don't like to discredit teams beating a team. <sighs> Missouri beat K-State. They made enough plays that they uh, – let's be blunt. They deserve that 61-yard field goal because K-State's defense had been trashed the whole game. At Texas, Texas came out. And they were ready for business. They started well. They dominated a quarter and a half of it, half another quarter over K-State. They were probably the better team from wire to wire, but K-State could have won that, and they should have won that. Um, but Oklahoma State, they just stunk it up. They just didn't, weren't locked in. But that was still only an eight-point loss, and, and they had the ball to try to tie it up. So, yeah, answer your question is, yeah, I think K-State would be in a really good situation right now. Can I be devil's advocate? Oh, the devil needs an advocate this time of year. I think UCF would be tough on the road. Well, I That would be the only home game that I would say would be tough. Now, I actually agree with this question, and I do think K-State would be undefeated because they have played the bottom of the conference at home. And I don't think that you're worried about going to Houston. I don't think you're worried about going to a TCU team that you beat 41-3. to I don't think you're worried about going to Waco. Are you a little worried about going to Orlando in the fourth game of the season after UCF had just pounded everybody and then miraculously lost to Baylor? I think you'd be a little bit worried, but I I think they would win that game. But I agree, man. Like This team, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it, but they're just as talented. They're just as good as they were last year. And if they ultimately don't make the Big 12 championship, it is literally going to be because of who they played at home and who they played on the road. That's literally why. Yeah. Another thing to think about, if they reversed Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, let's say keep them on the road, would it be the same results? Would K-State have beat Texas Tech and would K-State have lost Oklahoma State? Because I think if you get into the the problem, I don't want to say problem, but the scenario that happened at Texas Tech where Avery Johnson gets put into the game and he goes completely off, 
you know, I think that that was probably some of the problem with Oklahoma State. They were reluctant to play him. If you play Avery against Oklahoma State, and if you played Avery against Texas Tech, and if that happened before Oklahoma State, do you put Avery in against Oklahoma State? And are they able to run a little better and, and have a more dynamic offense? I don't know. I think you could even... You know, keep the schedule the same, home and away, but just reverse the weeks, and you might have a little bit different outcome there too. The yep. mm-hmm. only thing that I would add is even those wins to KU and Texas Tech, K-State still was trailing in the second half of those games. Obviously, mm-hmm. good teams do find ways to win. Credit the Cats for, for winning those games. But, you know, if you do go play against UCF, for example, on the road, would that go the same? Obviously, K-State could be in a position to win late, but – I don't have much of a reason to believe that that wouldn't be a stiff challenge for this team. If ifs, ands, and buts were candy and nuts, then we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Thank you. It's not even Thanksgiving yet, and he's talking about Christmas. I don't even know what to do with him. I have no idea what to do with him. But, yes, I do think they'd be better. And for the UCF question, it just depends on when you play them. You play them in the same slot, and they're without their starting quarterback. I say Bandage K-State, but they're much better. With, what's his name, John Reese Plumley? Mm-hmm. Did I get that right? I don't know. Well, not just UCF, though. I mean, TCU and Fort Worth would not be easy, in my opinion. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I can't figure them out for the yeah. life of me. Colorado won there. Come on. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> That's hard to explain. In hindsight, that is very hard. Yeah. September From, was a wild month, right? <laughs> From Cat in Colorado. I'm sure he was watching that game. Do you think Avery Johnson has been shut down for the year by the coaching staff to avoid injury or maintain his confidence? Will is playing well, and Avery's post-Texas Tech appearances have decreased in number and effectiveness. No, I mean, I just think this is a matter of um, the defenses have sort of figured out Avery, but also... You can't deny how good Will's played. Yeah. You don't take a guy off the field that's playing as well as Will. Like, on Saturday, he wasn't the greatest Will Howard version of Will Howard, but he rallied the troops. He rallied the troops at Texas. And I thought they were going to make a change in both games. They didn't. And thank goodness they didn't because Will was the right guy. Avery will get his time. You can argue that maybe when they have played Avery, they're not using him right. They're not trusting him enough. And I'm all in on that. I would love to see this game, which it probably won't, being Farmageddon. It's usually a one-possession game, turn into somewhat of a blowout so we can see more of Avery. But Will is the quarterback of this team. He has made that clear. I I, I don't – look, I'm as obsessed with Avery as anyone else and his upside. But you don't take an effective quarterback off the field because – you kind of want to see this guy. You you think he's really good. There's no denying his future is bright. Who said it? The upside of Avery Johnson is a Heisman Trophy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's how good he is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he may not get there, but that was you doing it. I that? think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he's not there, folks. Yeah, he needs some more time to mature in the system. Yeah, there's been a few times when, why don't you put in the backups? And they don't. I get all that. But, no, I mean, you're just not going to do that. You just, no. The reason why Avery hasn't played is because Will's thrown for 14 touchdowns and two interceptions over the last five games. He's also ran for two more. This isn't hard. Will has played really well. 
They have not needed to put Avery Johnson into the game. Has Could they have benefited from putting Avery into the game? Sure. But have they needed to? No. Will has figured it out, and he has been the best quarterback in the second half of the Big 12. Period. Period. And who do you want with K-State down with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter? Do you want a true freshman quarterback leading the comeback, or do you want your trusty veteran who's been there before and has done it multiple times? Mm-hmm. Give it to Will Howard. I mean, I just he proved himself again multiple times on Saturday why he's the quarterback. And it's it's great that he's playing well. Since Texas Tech, it's great that he is playing well. Because, you know, if he didn't come back after that Texas Tech game against, you know, if he didn't come back against TCU, quite frankly, both quarterbacks played great against TCU. But Will Howard needed that game for his confidence, and he played well. You know, either quarterback, you you know, if you eliminate the other one, they both win that game because K-State's defense was so good. So, you know, I think it's it's great that Will Howard has played well since that Texas Tech game, and there's no reason to take him off the field, even even though, as you said, you know, the Avery Johnson hype is real. We all want to see him at some point, but Will's got the hot hand right now, and you can't can't take him off. I think what, what Avery Johnson did at Texas Tech made Howard certainly a better quarterback. An interception, at least one interception in each of K-State's first five games, and there was a lot of momentum growing for Johnson to take his job, right? And so I think Howard looked at himself in the mirror and said, yeah, I've got to be better. This is not my job. I'm not the bona fide number one starting quarterback. This guy's right here on my tail. I've got to be better. I've got to take more care of the football. And certainly, Cole, you said that two interceptions over the last five games. He's he's valued the, the ball a lot more, and he's obviously taking chances, but he's not taking too many chances like we saw early on. I don't think those interceptions were on him, by the way. The one to oh, Keegan Johnson at, at Texas hit his hands, and the fact that there wasn't a flag thrown on the interception to Ben Sinnott is is absolutely ridiculous. Yep. Ben Sinnott was tackled before the ball was even thrown, and they didn't throw a flag. I th- actually think that's why Will threw it. You know, we've seen quarterbacks do that. But, yeah, Will's been good, and that's why Avery hasn't been playing. It has nothing to do with them trying to keep him healthy or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, Will was hobbling around again on this game, yeah. and I thought maybe we'd see Avery, but I'm going to trust the guys who see this in practice, and they they knew Will would deliver. They thought he would. He did. From Came to Elevate, I believe every football game, home and away this season, has been a sellout. Has this ever happened before in K-State history? And what does it say about fan perception of this program around the Big 12? It's That's spot on. I mean, it's not just that the home games have been sold out. Mm-hmm. That's happened. Every game has been sold out. Missouri game sold out. Tech, Oklahoma State, Texas, Kansas. They've all sold out. I, there's no way this has ever happened in in previous years. No way. No There's way. never been a convergence of uh, so much respect in road games and interest in K-State in road games paired with an you know, all-great home turnout. Saturday, again, is not sold out. So get to the stadium. Um, there's about 300 tickets left. There's all kinds of tickets. Um, I volunteered to, to buy the 300 tickets for a dollar apiece. <laughs> to get it to a sellout but i would i would you know i'd i'd buy those tickets and donate them to fort riley and say hey have some families go have some fun time on saturday in the snow people just want to listen to brando i think you're missing the point i know i know having tim brando uh broadcast into your house having him part of your family for the holidays is significant (laughs) there's no double deuce there's no uh 
N-U-D-K Uzuma. 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 Thank you. (laughs) There's Uzuma. In the new Big 12, Mm -hmm. I mean, now that K-State, or excuse me, Oklahoma and Texas, not K-State, Oklahoma and Texas are leaving the conference. By season's end, that might be true. Is is K-State the new Nebraska, the new Oklahoma, the new Texas, when it comes to the quote-unquote standard bearer of this conference, you know, every year, if you're a K-State fan in the past, what game has been that most expensive ticket on your season tickets? OU, mm-hmm. Nebraska, Texas. I think K-State is now that team for the rest of the conference. I agree. And part of that is fans travel. So, you know, just like Kansas has done, might as well gouge those K-State fans coming in to watch your game. Uh, but then again, that that whole profile of K-State could change when those road games aren't Ames and Stillwater uh, and, you know, somewhere in Texas. They're in Utah, Arizona, Florida, Ohio. I mean, it's a mess, you know, but I'm glad that the Big 12 made sure that uh, K-State didn't play Iowa State every four, every season in the next four years so that you can have three seasons with Cincinnati because nothing says tradition like K-State Cincinnati. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm bitter. I'm bitter about the Big 12 right now if you're not picking up the vibe. I, I think when you look at the opportunity that K-State has next season, I'm not going to sit here and say it's going to be a sellout every single game, but when you look at where K-State goes on the road, that two-lane game is going to be sold out. That's going to be a sellout. They will sell out that stadium. Well, they play, yeah, they play at their stadium. It as like as it's slotted people. to right now. It's a nice new – it's a new stadium. It's so, nice. It's like 25K. It right? might be 25,000. Yeah. BYU has a chance to be sold out. They have a chance to sell out oh, every that, game. They might sell out anyhow, yeah. Yeah, and then Colorado, I would think that game would be sold out I, too. I, uh, I, I do I, think enough K-Staters will go that that game will sell out. Iowa State, same type of deal. Sure. And then the only other two that you're looking at for road games would be West Virginia. And depending upon how West Virginia is, you know, I think that's mm, more dependent I, upon them. Houston, I would highly doubt, but – K-State has an opportunity here to be just like you talked about, Zach. I think right. that's kind of what I'm trying to get at is they're turning into that team. Oh, well, this team's really good. Like our team, if we beat them, it's going to be an upset, so we better go to the game. Plenty of good yeah. tickets available for the Houston-K-State game next year. <laughs> I thought you were going to try saying that K-State could sell out Houston Stadium and it's just a big purple wave. I Strongly disagree. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that'll happen. But the, there might be more K-Staters than uh, Houston Cougars. Yeah, yeah there'll be more than 50. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> From Ghost Day Kate, are the two best teams in the conference going to play for the championship? <sighs> really? Wait, we put this in here. You gonna, You're looking at Zach. Not, I forgot to Cole. take my blood pressure medicine last night. Now I got to do this. I'm going to say no, Fitz, before you answer. Who are the two? Yeah, best who teams? are the two best teams? I, I think it's K State and Texas. I think Texas for sure. I think it's K State and Texas because I think if K State and Oklahoma play on a neutral site field, K State wins that game. I don't think Oklahoma is physical enough in the trenches, and I think K State has that offense figured out. I think Joe Klanerman knows how to stop. Oh, K State trash Oklahoma. I think K State beats Oklahoma and, on a neutral and if K State plays Oklahoma State again, they trash them. Correct. Um, and unless I can't contain Ollie Gordon, um, which teams are now figuring out apparently. Uh, look, I, I do think. The two most potent teams in this conference, the teams that if you had to pick who you didn't want to play, would be Texas and Kansas State. But the losses do count for something. Um, I'm not a fan of changing the rules midstream. That's been clear. But the tiebreaker that they addressed, that they clarified by changing, 
um, gets it right. It, it does get it right. It's not about – I've seen Oklahoma State fans, shouldn't this be – well, it's not about that. It's about the the fairness of changing rules upon which you agreed in agreed on in the preseason. You should have caught this in the preseason that the wording was bad. But no, no. I'm just going to say this out loud. There are too many ADs in this conference that are, are just – Slobbing all over Brett Yormark saying, What do you want? You want it? You, you, you want to play on the moon? Okay, we'll play all our games on the moon. I mean, come on, guys. At some point, we have to get back to running a conference and not expanding the footprint and expanding the reach and all that's good. But the minutia of, of managing a conference day to day is falling off the edge of the table. This is not getting done. It's going to happen. The scenario that could happen if Texas loses and we end up with a four-way tie or a three-way tie, including Oklahoma, Kansas State, and Texas, they're going to screw this up. And they're not going to follow traditional tiebreaker rules. They're being very vague about it, not because they understand the rules and know that they're a little bit confusing. They don't either understand the rules or they have no concept of how tiebreakers work. And they're gonna they're gonna botch us. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, if we end up in a four way tie, that game by tiebreaker rules is Texas and Kansas State. It is. You, you go to that criteria. You get two teams from that criteria. That's your game. Now you go back to the tiebreaker situation and figure out who's the top seed. You don't climb back up tiebreaker criteria once you move to another. You either restart the criteria because now you have a different set or you progress down. It, it, the fact that the Big 12 doesn't seem to understand how tiebreakers work is, is just convincing me Brett Yormark has not hired college sports people in this office. They have Hold no clue about college sports management, and it pisses me off. It's time the ADs and presidents take back control of this conference. Yes, he's doing a great job managing the future of this conference, getting good TV deals and all that. Be in charge of this conference, ADs, because you agreed on these tiebreaker rules. You signed off on these tiebreaker rules. Quit nodding your head yes and do your damn job. I think if the championship game is K-State-Texas, I think we're all happy with that. I think if the championship game is Texas and Oklahoma State, they didn't play this year, I'm good with seeing that as a championship game. If it's K-State OU, I think we're all good with that. Bedlam, I don't think is possible to happen. I don't either. At this point. So really with the three, and and I really do not want to see OU Texas. I do not think, I think that K-State or Oklahoma State should be in the game. We should not get a Red River rematch. Here's the deal, Zach. You got to ask Brett Yormark this. I don't know. I know you have him on speed dial. I don't know why I just addressed yes, this to you. Of course I do. You know, here's where I'm at with this whole situation. It almost feels like Brett Yormark wants to see OU in Texas in the Big 12 championship game. Like it, it almost, it, which is so weird because he sits up there and he says, go take care of business, you know, talking to Texas Tech when he, when they go and play yeah, Texas. But he doesn't want, but he doesn't want them to take care of business because he wants to save his own face. That is literally the only reason I why know. I think they want Texas and I, Oklahoma. I don't sense that he wants Texas, Oklahoma. He, he, I think Brett Yormark is very understanding that 
I shouldn't have two teams having two teams leaving the conference in the final championship game that they're members. It's horrible. That's going to leave a sour taste in the conference's mouth. And which is also why I think if Texas lose, if Texas loses on Friday, and I like I think the Big Twelve is being vague here because if Texas loses, I believe K State controls their own destiny on Saturday. It doesn't matter what Oklahoma State or or well or what OU did previously on on Friday because you create that four way tie. So what happens if both of them lose? If OU and Texas, yeah. or o, OU and Oklahoma State lose? Or OU and easy. Texas. If OU and Texas both lose. Because uh, K-State, well, Oklahoma they, State, Texas, which you, you run the three-way tiebreaker, yeah. and K-State emerges. Yeah, you run the three-way tiebreaker. Because Oklahoma State lost to Iowa State. It doesn't K-State matter. State Texas did not. That It doesn't matter that Oklahoma beat Texas. K-State didn't play Oklahoma, and it it doesn't matter. It, 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 you go to the three-way tiebreaker, which picks by the rules that they just changed. It picks Kansas State and Texas. K-State benefited from having a harder schedule than the rest of the conference, at least the teams that are involved, maybe outside of Texas. But OU and Oklahoma State, they did not play harder teams than K-State. No. It's a fact. Zach, you know what we need to do before we move to this last question? You know what we need to do is we need to build – like a parlay of each of these possible like outcomes before the game sure. and I'd, see what the actual odds and percentages are of what Vegas thinks will oh, happen. I, well, I looked up what K-State's worst case scenario. You have Oklahoma State, Texas, and OU all winning minus 154 in a parlay. So it's pretty So pretty low. Coin flip, pretty, pretty close to. Yeah, pretty good chances that will happen. So look, at the end of the day, the chances of them being in this corner and having to face the music and actually try to understand their tiebreakers is pretty low. But that's typically when this crap goes down. When you get caught with your pants down, that's when everything goes south. And I'm telling you, I'm going to be picking up the phone on Friday. If I start to see Texas losing, it's because that's the essential step for I mean, if, if Oklahoma and Oklahoma State lose, that's huge. I mean, that kind of sorts it out. Mm-hmm. I just don't see both of them losing. I do see maybe Texas. Texas has played so close for so many weeks. It, it seems like they're due to, to not get it done. But I, I'm, look, let's see how it plays out. But man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the fan because I have studied tiebreakers my whole life. I've never seen tiebreakers like they're trying to run tiebreakers. You, you don't go to that second criteria to pick head-to-head, which in this case would be Kansas and Iowa State, if Kansas wins at Cincinnati. Those are the best opponents. They'd be tied in the conference standing, so you use both. The best opponents all four have played. Credit to them. They played. They they had a tough schedule. But now that benefits K-State because they and Texas would be 2-0 and against those opponents. And the, I don't know what the others are. 0-2, 1-1, doesn't matter. 1-1. 1-1? So if you really want – if this was basketball and you needed to seed them out, you separate those two groups. The two and O's are seeds one and two, and these are seeds yep. three and four, and then you do tiebreakers among those. Head head. Yep. You don't say, hey, we got these four, but we're trying to get one to fill two slots out of this. And since these teams are tied, let's go back up to here and, and get a – a criteria that we already moved on from and apply it within this criteria, which the rules don't say. And then Texas moves. Now you pick from the three. 
I have never heard of that being done. Not once in my life has, has, have I witnessed that being done. And it sounds like that's what this damn conference thinks should be done. It's asinine. Any more? Back to your back to your mark. Speaking Last of question asinine. of the first half. Kevin316 wants to know, with the terrible four-year football schedule and now the smoke and mirrors tiebreaker clarification, is the Brett Yormark honeymoon over? <clears throat> okay, I've said this on other media. I said it on the Insiders. I said it with Pete Mundo on the Heartland podcast. Brett Yormark is Winston Churchill. I was going to bring that up. He is the wartime leader this conference needs. Without Churchill, England doesn't survive World War II. And without Brett Yormark, the Big 12 doesn't survive everything going on. Now, granted, the conference took some steps before. Once rid of Texas's, you know, guiding hand, Bowlesby stepped up and did the right thing with these four expansion schools. But the TV contract, everything else, the adding of the, the Western schools, Brett Yormark's been brilliant at war. And the whole expansion realignment thing isn't done. It might kick back in with the ACC or something else. Or someone might come after Big 12 teams. We don't know. But this phase of realignment of college football, including this asinine, I like that word today, talk of a Power 2 semi-pro league, shut up with this. Shut up. Nobody will want that other than your fans. Maybe sports betters. Just stop with that. It's just so unbelievable. Half those teams will lose half their games. I mean, half those teams are going to lose. Someone's going to lose the games. It's going to be horrible for those schools. Once you're through this, they need to move to a more, more of a college sports commissioner. Maybe this will go on for years. But I'll say this. Brett Yormark needs a deputy commissioner who's been hip deep in the college sports world for their career and let them run the day to day and you do your dreaming, your scheming and you're bringing in new teamings. I liked it. It was just, they rhymed. Um, Stay scheming. Yes. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, do your thing, grow this conference, grow the revenue, expand the reach, expand us to Mexico and the moon. Let someone else run this conference on a day-to-day basis because the people you've put in place is an absolute clown show. Are you saying that K-State's AD should become the new deputy AD of the Big 12? No, I want Chris Kleiman to stay here, and that's the only way he leaves is if Gene Taylor leaves. So, no, that's not it. That's not what I'm saying at all. Gene Taylor stays. Not Tim Weiser. No. Oh, Tim Weiser. That was the reference. Well, he retired. Fitz, do you know who Anthony Eden is? Uh, Yeah, he had a garden. He was related to Bob Alamo. He was the youngest foreign secretary in Great Britain's history. He subsequently became prime minister, succeeding Winston Churchill. Brett Yormark needs to become Anthony Eden, just somebody that you had no idea but helped keep the conference on track. Need someone behind him, yep. And that's really, Churchill was flamboyant, said a lot of bombastic things, pissed people off. But he rallied and organized everyone to survive World War II. And Bob Bowlesby is 100% Neville Chamberlain because oh, he got played like a fiddle. Yeah, absolutely. He was going to surrender. I love all this World War II talk. I know. I know. <laughs> um, that's it for the first half of this podcast. It went long. We apologize. We will try to be more brief in the second half and just say nice things about everyone. 
GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Welcome back to the PowerCat podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions podcast. I took my blood pressure medicine um, and uh, I've calmed down greatly. No, I haven't. Let's move on to second more. half. Will be relaxed. Yeah, whatever. Uh, let's move on to more questions from Wabash Station. But let me first remind you that if you have never visited Nirvana on Earth, you've never been to the fridge. It is both a little piece of heaven and the rock band you needed from the nineties. The fridge wholesale liquor in Nirvana's nineties, right? Uh, fridge wholesale liquor at the corner of this and that in the town in which we live. Great people. Seven people named Mike, though very confusing. But Kevin owns the place, and he's the important one. We love you, Kevin. And seventy-five percent off. Oh, I had seventy-five percent off a subscription to GoPowerCat.com. Right now is for Black Friday. I don't know why they call it that, but it is. It's a big sale. You can't miss it. If you miss it, well, I'm going to say it. Loser. Speaking of losers, let's give the questions back now uh, to the other side of the table. Mm. Right. Oh, Cole Carmody's going to this half. You said loser, so. Yeah. He said loser with an S. Loser. Yes. I think there was an R. I love you guys. Uh, from Itame BB, how important is the contract extension of Gene Taylor for the future of K-State Athletics? Will that keep Chris Kleiman and Jerome Tang in Manhattan? It, certainly climbing. I mean, these guys are tight. They're, they're really tight. It's not a normal AD coach thing. A lot of us are aware that they were friends before this all went down. A lot of people criticized him yeah, for hiring his buddies. friends. They're drinking buddies. <laughs> you give these two a uh, yearly stipend of bush light and fireball, and they're going to stay here forever. They'll just stay here and be happy. And a golf membership somewhere. Yes. (laughs) They love it here. They both love it here. But, yes, having Gene Taylor secured into the future is a big deal. He will be here until he's done ADing, Mm -hmm. and I think it's significant. He's been incredibly good for Kansas State. Uh, His management style has been a welcomed change from the previous one. But also, I get leery of – I've said this before – of coaches ADs you know the, the they always kind of side with their coaches but how that's played out is he goes out and hires people based on yeah he needs to know about do you know the sport all that can you recruit yeah but are you a good person that will fit at Kansas State University do you fit the culture and if you do that increases your chances of staying and he's done an incredible job of that he hires coaches like the coaches recruit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, he's built that's an incredible really locker room within his athletic department. Yep. I mean, I think that especially with Chris Kleiman, I, I went on some radio. It would have been last week, and it was right before the news of Gene Taylor got the extension, and obviously the um, the Iowa athletic department's or the Iowa AD job is open, and I, I don't know if that had anything to do with this. Um, with this extension, I'm sure maybe there might have been a little bit of pandering there, but they were asking me. I was like, no, like he is a K-State guy. Like when we think back about this time period of K-State athletics, sure, you're going to think of Jerome Tang. You're going to think of Chris Kleiman. But Gene Taylor is going to be talked about in that same conversation because of not just the coaches he's hired, but look at the volleyball facility. Look what they've done at the baseball facility. Look what they did with the indoor facility. I mean – all these things, like being an athletic director is so much more than just hiring coaches and having them succeed on the field. He is a really, really good at his job. No, he is. And I don't want to discredit Gene Taylor's hiring, but 
about the search firm that K-State has used for the last however many head coaches, because I'm certain they used it for volleyball too, but basketball, football for sure, they understand what K-State wants and what K-State needs in their head coaches. So credit to Gene for, I don't want to say outsourcing, but using the help that gets K-State the best possible coaches in Manhattan. Let's, let's clarify those. Search firms identify candidates. ADs pick the actual right. guy. So they've done a good job feeding him candidates. I mean, hell, last time it came for football, it came down to Chris Kleiman and Neil Brown. That's a pretty good pairing. But at the end of the day, he thought Neil Brown's Southern will probably want to get back to that area of the country. And Chris Kleiman, moving from Fargo, is like moving to the Bahamas uh, <laughs> if you've been in Fargo. So huh. he, he loves it here. I'd move there. You're, you're already in Manhattan. I'd move to the Bahamas. Okay, good. We'd like that. Maybe some more sunscreen if I go, though. Yes, you want to invest in that. You, you, you're very red in the cheeks, but I just think you're blushing. You make me blush. That, yeah. Can we move on? Are we ready for the next please, question? Please move on. Okay. It's getting weird. I know. Adam K. 63 wants to know, what's more impressive, winning 15 straight games in football over KU or KU's 31-game win streak in basketball over 11 years? I'm going to say the basketball. Really? Yeah. yeah. You got to do it every year on the other home, the home court. And sometimes every. on a neutral court. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, less than half of those games are on your home court. But I, it's also easier. Well, no, this is another reason why I think that's more, more significant. That's not a but. And it's easier to get good in basketball in a short period of time. Hasn't Jerome Tang did been, it. Hasn't always been like that. Hasn't always been like that. No, K State accepted mediocrity, mediocrity for eleven seasons. Right. When was the thirty-one straight wins? When did that take place? Well, it came until two thousand six. So yeah, it ninety-five, it, it ninety-four. Frank Martin to break it. So we're talking Jim Woldridge. Jim Woldridge, Tom Asbury. No, Jim Woldridge broke it. In it Lawrence wasn't. Woldridge broke it. Oh, that's right, 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 yeah. right, right. Broke the octagon of God, Those guys were right. forever. Yeah, Jim Woldridge and Tom Asbury, and then yeah. Was, but wasn't well, there? It's, cra- it's crazy that K State won twice in Lawrence before winning in Bramlage. That's crazy. Was there not a rule though that said that they they didn't want people to leave your they didn't want kids to leave your roster and if they left your roster you could only bring bring in so many kids so. Do you, do you understand what I'm talking about? Oh, absolutely. It hamstrung K-State. So I, that's why I'm saying now it's yeah. hard. It'd be a lot harder to have that winning streak now. But with football, I think that's actually more impressive, guys, because K-State is not a blue blood in football. They haven't been a blue blood in football. Has KU been really horrible at football? Yes, they have. Yeah. But there have been years where K-State has not been very good, and they still found a way to beat them. But they, I, they hired such a string of losers. They did. <laughs> but this this streak started when Bill Snyder came out of retirement and just went back. Same old, same old. It was an ugly, awful football yeah. game. But they beat Mangino's Jayhawks in Manhattan, and off we go. It's still been going. It went right, right through Snyder 2.0, and now Chris Kleiman for five years. It's incredible. Right now, it's still basketball for me. But that changes when you start having guys on the roster that have not been alive for a KU win Mm -hmm. in the series. So two years. I think that's where three, four years. When you get to 18, 19 wins, especially 20. If this streak hits 20 wins, absolutely more impressive than the 31-game streak. I would agree. It's going to get more impressive 
Because KU Especially is because, finally respectable. Right. KU is getting good. Yeah. They are finally going to actually start stadium renovations, I think, this week, next week. Should be started. Yeah. It should actually it's holiday week. I'll give them that. Should start next week. I don't know when it does actually start, but yeah, I was surprised at how they were marking all the seats and tables that we were working on on Saturday. These are going to storage on Monday. Let me Crazy. point out, and I didn't realize until this. I did my Sunday night TV show with my friend Michael Swain, who runs the KU side on twenty four seven, that they don't have a plan in place for next year. They haven't decided where they're playing their games. Half of their stadium will be gone or under construction. So they're trying to decide, do we play here and have half a stadium, which is weird. I, mean, I don't even know how they do it. So the press box it goes gone. end zone to 50-yard line, and that's the other end zone, correct? It What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you just play. It's a 50-yard yeah. field. Oh, I see. That <laughs> would um, work, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, they're taking off that west side and some of the, the end, but that's the press box. And that's not just for – we see press box – but that's where the coaches, coaches sit. Yeah, the that's replay their, that is their only premium indoor seating, which is at bizarre. the stadium too. With and plumbing, from the plans I've seen, they still aren't adding enough of that. Right. I mean, I especially think their market. You need to add right. more. You can get into the Kansas City market. KU somewhere. is a sweets yeah, fan base, and yeah. that's not a dig at KU no, fans. Sure. Just that is the type of donor, the type of income, the type of person that comes over from Kansas City that goes to KU. Shout out Johnson County. Shout out Johnson County. But that is yeah, that great, is their core demo. Great Walmarts. Never forget that. That is their demo. Suites, loge, so club seating. Their choices is are to play games in a gutted stadium that I don't know how they would host the games. Or go to Arrowhead. I think they should go to sporting for non-conference games. But that apparently is not happening. Lance Leipold wants them in Arrowhead, which I think is a mistake. I'd rather have them in a small stadium that's packed and rowdy. There's a solution to all of this. It's in town. It's called Haskell. That play at Haskell. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Or I'm thinking outside the box. We just remove Kansas from the Big 12 and add Haskell. <laughs> just... Just off the top of my head, I'm yeah. just spitballing here. No, it's it's a mess. You have to play at Arrowhead. I mean, you have to, right? Like, is, is, that gets so confusing with the chief states and like, how are they gonna? Is Arrowhead willing? That's to what host I don't know. Because like, I doubt Sporting's willing to host them because that's crunch time. It's playoff time. I don't know if you want to ruin that field or how many no. times you want to saw that field. The Chiefs play on natural grass too. They they don't want to. Resod that field no, that's, yeah. more than they want to. I mean, I get that there's stadiums available, but also I don't know how much these stadiums would want to host, especially in soccer's case for Sporting KC, how much they would want to host a football game. Do you know how funny it would be to see KU play in Manhattan for their home games? I mean, I don't want to say it's not a possibility. Do you know how funny it's that it's would not be? a possibility. Do but you know how funny play at Memorial that would Stadium? But like, campus. but really, how many other suitable That's... stadiums in the area could KU play in? If I mean, you'd have to swallow a lot of pride if you're KU to go play in K State Stadium, your home games for two years or a, at least a year. Did Swain offer any? I mean, I, there's no way well, that happens. I, I mean, I think they're going to try to go to Arrowhead, but again, okay. Will the Chiefs allow that? Right. I mean, that you you can't play a Saturday night game in Arrowhead in any kind of 
weather conditions, let alone the normal wear and tear in a field. Yep. And the Chiefs kick off early the next day. Yeah. Yeah. You I certainly just, can't. Yeah. Chiefs you, are never on the noon slate anymore. That's <laughs> a lot true to that. Yeah, you, you can't restripe the field. You can't. Let's be clear. You can't have the hash marks. They're different for college and pro. Yep. You have to restripe the field. I mean, you have to look at what what Pittsburgh does, yeah, what, U- say, USF, what USF does. It's not undoable, but again, Kansas City Chiefs and Arrowhead Stadium have to be willing to host. Yeah, I'm, but Pitt played against I think Boston College last Thursday, and there were like maybe twelve people there. It and it's horrible. just embarrassing right. to see the empty seats. Right. So yeah. you, uh, that's what I'm saying. I think playing in a smaller venue is so much more yep. appealing. Make that a damn pit filled with students. Mm-hmm. You know, your big donors can go sit in the whatever suite areas and let the students just turn that into a devil's pit. But again, you get soccer. I'm, this gets back to my point. I really don't understand why they didn't explore building a new stadium. They could have been started on it. It could be a year build and then move into it. Yeah. I, I'm just kind of amazed at it. Out by I-70. Mm-hmm. Like, why not? Hmm. All right, next question from SnareCat3. Will Naquan Tolvin solve the problems of the offense or just join in a flawed scheme? So with the scheme, the scheme is the scheme, right? That's not going to change with or without Tomlin. Now, maybe they do some different things personnel-wise if he's on the court, if he's available, but the five-out offense is what it is. So if that's what you're asking, no, right? It's going to be what it is. Obviously, he would help them score more points, but – this, the offense is set in stone, and by and large, it is what it is. I mean, they're getting open shots. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not a failed scheme if your players are missing the open shots. It's players missing open shots. That was just dreadful against Miami. It was awful to watch. What does Tang always say? I hope we make shots. Hope we make shots. It's and they old. haven't made shots. Yeah, <laughs> like, they, made, they made shots against South Dakota State, and that's been about it. They played a tough schedule, guys. Like, And I hate like using that excuse, but they played USC, who's going to be a top six seed in the NCAA tournament. They played Miami, who was a Final Four team last year, who looked like a Final Four team they again. Did. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and worry about this basketball team because, you know, obviously from an outsider's perspective, and Ryan, you've been at all the games, so you have a little bit better idea, but... I just I don't worry about it until they start losing some conference games. I just don't. Yeah, especially against I mean Miami. Like the 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 main reason they lost that game was because of the first half. Okay, what went wrong in the first half? It was because they let Nigel Pack get going. Obviously, the three point shooting wasn't there. K State missed its first twelve from beyond the arc, I believe. And so, while yes, that could have been better. I think that game was largely because of what K State did defensively, not slowing down a superstar. And Jerome Ting even mentioned how. They didn't do a good job in the game plan before halftime. After halftime, Pack I think, had six points, give or take, and so K-State shut him down. The reason for this loss, of course, it, does it boil down to the missed three-point shots, I, I guess, to an extent, but they were open. They just didn't execute, and you know Tyler Perry's been heralded as the best three-point shooter in America, right? If Tomlin does come back, he has that in his arsenal, right? Cam Carter's shown that this year. They've got guys that can score from beyond the arc. I'm not too concerned about those missed threes. Naquan Tomlin will give them an athlete who plays above the rim, who electrifies their open court game, 
he will have an impact. And him putting the ball on the floor and getting into the paint will collapse defenses and and do that. The reality is Tyler Perry has been disappointing. Especially in the first half, guys. Uh, it, he's awful. In the Alarming first numbers. And he doesn't come nearly as equipped to create for his teammates as his predecessor, who was special. Mm-hmm. I get that. I, I'm I'm befuddled by how poorly he creates and how poorly he finishes in the lane. Mm-hmm. This team has to learn where they can finish shots. I've seen more drives end with block shots in these five games than I remember last year. Take the ball to the hole and finish with authority or don't take it. Don't take it into the lane if you can't do productive things with it. And this is going to be something they have to learn. Sure. And um, they'll get there. They'll, I mean, it's kind of a lump of clay. It might be a little bit harder to mold right now than he expected, but I think Jerome Tang and the staff will get them there. They coach their asses off at games. They're teaching constantly, um, and they're missing a couple key pieces. Because what you, you can say what you want to, but – they thought Glover would be Desi Sills or still close to it, adding something. Yeah, at worst, the sixth man. Right. Coming off the bench and giving you another veteran guard. And then they turn around and play the championship game without Day-Day Ames for an absolute BS <laughs> ejection, I think. Yeah, he hit the other guy, but I think it it was by accident. The forearm to the head was not by accident. He essentially got, <laughs> look, they didn't stop play until the forearm. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that. They didn't think there was anything out of the normal play during the game. Right. Even though they saw him clearly react to it. Good point. But they didn't stop the game. Good point. They went back and just called it even. It's not how you're supposed to do it. You punish the guy that got hit. But yeah, that's another. You're always told don't react when you get punched in the face. And day day just, you know, if he would have reacted and punched him back, then sure, eject him and he have did him the right miss thing. multiple games. But he didn't do anything. He did the Chicago thing. Oh, you hit me? That wasn't hard at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He just stared at him like, really? <laughs> that was it? That was all? You yeah. threw it for him? Really? So the rule the rule is the rule, right? The, the way that he was punished is exactly right for the rule. The rule probably needs to be changed and... Well, Ames should not have been, you know, deemed to be in a fight in that game. Yeah. The problem was the application of the rule. Yeah. They should have ruled that this wasn't a two-party fight. This was a one-party fight. Absolutely. And they missed a a foul. I mean, if it's a basketball move and you catch an elbow, it's not a foul. It's not a flagrant. This was a basketball move coming off of trying to get away from a man. And he apparently got either hit him or slapped him or poked him or something. That crap happens. But if you look at that replay and say, oh, it was intentional, you're seeing something I don't see. He did not look like he intentionally threw a fist at someone, which is fighting. Ready for the last question? I am so ready. From I Like Pickles Cat. Well, you you don't get a question. He says, no particular question, but I'm curious about your thoughts on volleyball and women's basketball. Some big wins from both programs in the last week. Fun. It's amazing. Women's basketball is good. They're really people need to get out and watch them. Play. Did you watch them on Sunday? I, I yeah. I mean, it's they're good. Yeah, I watched what I could. Yeah, um, and it's it's impressive what's going on here. I mean, in volleyball, boy, he, I don't think they've lost a set at home in a month. That's in September, <laughs> maybe. It, it's two months. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it was go back to September. Yeah, before since they've lost a it's insane a set. a set, not a match, not a match, a, a set. set. 
They have swept every opponent at home. Crazy. And you can't convince me that would have happened last year. That's it. It it is coaching and the court. I think it has as much to do with the the arena as it does uh, it anything does. else. It's a great atmosphere. It's a, that everyone who's been said that is a pit. I mean, four thousand seats of thirty five hundred seats of screaming fans. And five thousand fans at Bramlage on Sunday too. Like there was a lot of people at Bramlage to watch the women play Wisconsin, and I know Wisconsin doesn't have a good program, but I mean they just annihilated them. I cannot wait because this week. They go down, and unfortunately, they're on flow hoops. But they're going to have a chance to play. With, they're going to have a chance if they win to play Iowa again, and they are really? on the opposite side of the bracket that wow. that they're in. So they could potentially see Iowa in the championship game of this tournament. If will Iowa be hiring the officials again? Here's the deal. Good for flow hoops. <laughs> Can for you make that. an argument that if K State beats Iowa again, that they're a top five team in the country? Could be. Folks, did, really did they? Do they release rankings? 16. They're 16? 16. I missed that. They're better than that. Let Ooh. that be known. Okay. So I get this question all the time, and I'm just going to be blunt and upfront with this. If you want us to cover these things, what do we not cover? It's not like we're sitting around with a bunch of free time. We're, we're covering what we can cover within our work time and, honestly, a budget. So what do we subtract out of that? But also, we have analytics that show us what you're interested in. And I'll, I'll be blunt here. I was impressed with how the YouTube daily delivery played on the Iowa upset. I mean, what did it end up? Around 3K? Something like that. Which is solid. But, folks, we've done, a, we've done daily deliveries yeah. on volleyball and baseball, and they absolutely tank. We do coverage on the site once in a while, and they, it tanks. It just doesn't – people don't click it. No, you're just chasing clicks. No, it shows what people want to consume. It's a product. But I tell you what, if women's basketball keeps winning, we'll be there. And if they are a top yeah. five team, I don't know who. You, we'll yeah. hire someone to we, do it if we have to. But we will. We will we'll cover K State women's basketball. I mean, it, yeah, absolutely. I I told I think it was Brad Hill when his first year he goes, "Can we get you to come cover baseball?" I told him this, and he he smiled and said, "I actually understand that. We don't lead anyone to anything." We follow the fans. Mm -hmm. This is up to you. I mean, if this is really something you're interested in, we'll be there. We'll see how it plays. But I'm going to be watching a lot of K-State women's basketball from here in the studio this season because I'm pretty busy already, and I've got a big screen right here. I will have them up because this team isn't only good. This team's fun to watch. Fun to watch. That's it for this edition of the Powercat Questions podcast. We'll have all of your normal coverage, everything. We're not cutting anything off because it's Thanksgiving. We'll have the pregame podcast. We'll have the Friday walkthrough. I can guarantee you that because we're literally getting ready to record that. We'll have Ryan Gilbert annoying me. That's a staple. We'll have all of his coverage that normally drops on Thursday. So the bet on it, uh, behind enemy lines, all of that stuff will still be there. We're not stopping for the for Thanksgiving dinner. Well, actually, we will stop that. But we're just pressing on covering K-State sports for you. And you can get Go Powercat for 75% off right now. When this podcast ends, you head over there, click that green join button, and get it done. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.